Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Titletown, South Florida, the Miami Herald's high school sports show. I'm Andre Fernandez, the Miami Herald's deputy sports editor, joined once again by David Wilson, one of our sports writers, been covering preps for a long time as well. We've reached the playoffs. This is episode number 10, and we're ready for that, you know, that, that postseason crunch really now. The first round was a little bit, you know, there, there's a lot of mismatches, some blowout games, but now this is when it heats up. The first round's not even over because as of this recording, there's still a few teams in, in Broward County and Palm Beach because of Tropical Storm Nicole that got pushed back to Monday night. So as of this recording, we didn't know exactly where every single matchup was, but we had kind of a fair idea where those were headed. But the bulk of it is all set, and round two is in place. And we didn't see a lot of drama, like I said, not a lot of upsets, if any. But we did see tremendous rushing performances, that's for sure. I mean, you know, between Doral's Mark Wilder, who's been doing it all season, he went for nearly 300 yards. Reggie Haywood of Calvary Christians had a few like that this season. They won their game, their first round game, thanks to his uh, 280 yards rushing, I believe it was. And Antoine Smith, 325 yards for Booker T in that game. That was the most tremendous of all, because when you look at all time, even Frank Gore, people started asking me, David, who has the record? Who has the single game record? Some people don't remember Frank Gore after 20 years, which is sad, but he had 419. So it shows you like how high up in the sky Frank put that record. And even a tremendous performance like Antoine didn't get there, but still it was one of the best uh, outputs you've ever, we've ever seen in a playoff game. I mean, Antoine, you know, what can you say about that kid? Heck of a season he's having. Yeah. I mean, he's gotten better. You know, I think we spotlighted him pretty early on because, you know, they, first of all, they have two really good running backs because Gerald Modest is a, yeah. is a D1 kid there too. Um, and I think we spotlighted Antoine early on because, you know, they were, they're really kind of, it was like a 1A, 1B situation. I felt like for them early in the year, Antoine, really big back, was kind of their short yardage power guy. And as the year has gone on, it seems like he's, you know, I know that they made a big point. They want to get a little, in a little bit better shape, slim down a little bit. They want him to run track in the spring, get that speed up a little bit more. And as the season goes on, you know, most guys kind of tend to lose weight during the season because you're working out a lot and running a lot. And I think you're kind of seeing him get stronger as the year goes on a little bit because of that, where he's, you know, he's, he's breaking off 50 plus yard runs, uh, obviously, last week, which is, you know, not necessarily something we saw him doing early in the year. Yeah, and, and it's funny because one of their assistant coaches, as uh, as we were interviewing him after the game, was walking kind of in the distance going, tell him he needs to keep eating right, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> so it's, which is kind of funny. Like, he, he, it's an interesting balance because you want him maybe to get even more into shape, but at the same time, you don't want him to lose that power where he's, yeah. he's, he has this, this great ability of breaking tackles. And it is a 1A, 1B. They still would love to have it that way because I kind of felt bad because Gerald Modest, he, he – he didn't have the best of games the other day, but you could still see a few runs that he did break. And even Coach Ice Harris, who we'll hear from in a little bit, um, mentioned that, the way that this kid is also a game breaker. And they definitely want to keep that formula going 
they got a big one this week coming up against Norland. But uh, also on this show, we're going to take a look at crop. Uh, you know, Cinderella team that continues to roll after five wins in a row now. The nail biter win over Belen. You were there, David. And we'll look at speaking of Norland taking on uh, Jackson this week, and they were able to blow that team out of the water and get the rematch that they've wanted. But the rematch of all rematches this week is Central and Northwestern because uh, Northwestern is charged up and hoping for a better result this time. It's going to be tough, but I do think it's going to be a better game. I think, David, the, the, the play not only the playoffs are going to heat up, but the Liberty City rivalry is ready too as well. Yeah, I mean, that is – I think I mentioned on the show before, last year they played each other uh, actually three times. Um, a couple of those wound up being blowouts, but there was you know, one instant classic in there. Um, you know, those, those two – I mean, Miami Central is really, really good. They might be on a different level, but uh, I, you know Northwestern has a really good performance in them. They're, we're dealing with a lot of injuries throughout the regular season. Um if you know, would a central ball shock me? Not necessarily because we, we saw it happen a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know, Northwestern obviously is not going to roll over. And based on what we usually see in that game, I, the expectation should be a competitive game. You know, maybe it's not going to come down to a last second field goal like uh, one of their games did last year, but uh, you know, it's it can be should be a much more competitive game just based on what we know Northwestern has the capability to do. Yeah, definitely. I hope so because that rivalry, when when it's at the height and yeah. competitive, it's it's really good for football down as here. As good as anyone in all of high school football. Absolutely, absolutely. And so let's let's get right to it. At Mar- at Monsignor Pace, you were there on Friday night, and you saw where two teams, you know, the Belen Jesuit Wolverines and the Crop Lightning, were both struggling at the start of the season, but both rebounded, both make the both made the playoffs. Crop with a district championship was able to host, even though they were the lower seed. And Belen opened the game with a seven nothing lead, but then Crop came right down the field with Jamal Hagan's uh, you know, quarterbacking that team, and here's his touchdown run. From there, Crop, uh, it looked like Belen's defense was the one that kept them in it because Crop was starting to separate a little bit, but then this turnover happened by Bryce Fitzgerald made a nice play on this interception. Take a look. Let's go. He opened. Get to him. From there, it was the running game for Belen, led by Anthony Rubio, who's had a pretty good season for the Wolverines. Here's a touchdown that cut the Crop lead to 16-14 at one point. But the Wolverines, as we saw later on, crop just since that MacArthur game and even before that, but especially since that MacArthur game, they keep finding ways to win. Here's Belen's last-ditch effort coming up short. Of course, Tom Caporal's team, you know, credit to them. They've had a tremendous year turning it around over there. But now they're going to get a whole another level of opponent. And they have faced some good opponents this year. They have faced Southridge. Yeah. They have faced Jackson. They faced a few um, that they were they were competitive even in defeat, uh, at least with Jackson. And But now Homestead, that firepower that they have, they were they prevailed 40 to nothing pretty easily against North Miami this week. Uh, do they have any even semblance of a chance having to go down there against Harris? I mean, a lot of it would have to go right for them to pull that off. Yeah, I don't see them winning, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's – 
more competitive than people expect. Um, that that team is really well coached. Uh, crop the big the big talking point that that Tom Caporal was uh, kind of harping on was that they're kind of not scared of anyone. Obviously, Homestead will be the best team they've played all year, even better than uh, Southridge and Jackson. Um, but they are, you know, the Belen is a team that it's not an incredible team, obviously, like they weren't a state title contender or anything like that, but uh, they've got Gavin Schmarcelin, one of their defensive ends, a D1 guy, uh, Davion Dixon, their big defensive tackle, was a freshman All-American last year. Like, they, on, on paper, Belen had a pretty big talent advantage, at least with those top-end guys, uh, and Crop. You know, I don't, I don't want to say like was in control of that game because obviously it came down to a stop in the last minute. But after they went down seven nothing and tied it up, uh, you know, they never trailed again. So it was a, I, I think, you know, they, they got a long way to go. Obviously, if they want to compete with the best of the best, but it's a huge. I mean, it's their first playoff win since two thousand nine, only their third playoff win ever. Um, it's it's a big stepping stone, and you can see that that team is like there's like legitimate belief and all that kind of stuff there. I mean, they you know. I, Last year was kind of their Super Bowl a little bit, right? That winning one was going to be a historic deal. But, um, you know, they're going to go down to Harris and they're not going to be scared. They're going to probably lose because uh, Homestead is really good. But, you know, they're, 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 they could score some points in that game and maybe make Homestead sweat it a little bit in the first half. Yeah. I covered Crop's first ever game way back when in 90. There you go. Shows you how old I'm getting. But, uh, <laughs> But but crop overall, that's been always the challenge for them is is sustainability because they have had these you know kind of bubble up seasons I guess or maybe two in a row where they're yeah. really good and then they'll fade and then maybe a coaching change you know regime change over there happens and something you know comes along and so can Coach Caporal and these guys build off of this I guess will be the question going forward but it's definitely like you said it's a building block and we'll see where they can take it from there. Uh, let's go over to Traz to the Mecca, where every Region 4 2M quarterfinal was played over the weekend, over the over the course of three days. On Thursday, Booker T was taken on Carroll City, two traditional teams in, in Dade County with a lot of history, a lot of championships. Chiefs on the rebuilding side, but they came out a, a little better than they had in the first meeting. They tied the game up at seven early on on this touchdown. Take a look. Oh, wow. Which was pretty good because they had pretty much no offense the first time they played Booker T, but at least they hung in there for a little bit. But then, like we said before, Antoine Smith, that the, the, the Daryl Heidelberg, you'll see a little bit later on, called him a truck back there for Booker T. Here's why. Here's one of his uh, touchdown runs. I like that stiff arm there. It was like it didn't even look like he touched them, but he kind of just like waved the guy off. I mean, I've seen that kid drop people, do everything this year. And here's a uh, here's Ice Harris talking about not just Antoine Smith, but how far the tornadoes come and and still the challenge they have as they're as they're facing Northern for the second time this week. You know, but that's what we train for. We train for him to be able to come in to show that he can be one of the elite backs, not just here in Dade County, not in the state of Florida, but in the nation, that he can put himself in position to be totally elite. We got to continue to keep working with him and continue to make sure that he's running track in the offseason, you know, that he can be one of the elite guys in the country. 
that's what we're training for every day. Coach, you had to deal with adversity because your quarterback goes Amen. down early. Was it a shoulder? And, and yeah, some on contact on falling down. He just felt a little shock. So we just wanted to play the safe role and just keep him out. He wanted to play, but we say no, go ahead. And we got the other guys that work hard and they can be able to do the job. And, and we just got to have the next guys ready to play. How did that change what you do? Because obviously you have That changed big time, especially when it comes to the past part of what we do. You know, he's more illustrated to understand the details and see the defense a little better, you know, so then we'll have to, you know, leave it up to the running game, you know, when guys have to come in and be able to hold up like we did today and guys like Antoine stand up today was big for us. Uh, what you, you learn about, what do you think your team learned about when you face an opponent that you beat in the regular season to face them again in this setting in the playoffs and adjustments have to be made. I mean, it could happen again next week. With right, we, and we talked about that, you know, coming into this, this playoff when this new thing came about, we knew that we was going to have to play teams twice, you know, to be able to make it. And where it look now, if we continue to play, you will be playing teams that we played twice, you know, in a season, which is tough. Because, you know, now, now, especially if you win it, you won one of those games, and that was pretty. We won that pretty easily the first time. So we knew that Kara City was going to come back. The coaching staff do a great job, and we knew they was going to fight back. And we just had to make sure that we come back and we hit from certain type of adversity and being able to show that we're trying to have, we, you know, our job is to, what we're trying to build is a chain. We want to make sure that we don't have no weak link in that chain, you know, going into the tournament of champions. Um, you guys are kind of built for playoffs because you can run the ball and you're good in defense. You know, right, right. so how do you feel you are, you know, right now? We just got to continue to keep coaching, go back and watch film today, see some things that we got to clean up, even though we're not going back to this game. But we just want to go back to more. Most of the time, this thing copycat. We're going to look at something that we have problems with tonight that we feel the next team might try to go to if there were some issues there. So we have to play the chess game that way as well and watch the film of the two teams that we'll be waiting on, watching both of their games that we played before and what they did in the previous games. They're trying to get ready for, for them next week. I always like ice calls at the Tournament of Champions. Yeah. I feel like. I feel it's like, like this year, yeah, it really is. This year more than ever with the way this region is so clustered. But, yeah. but he mentioned he mentioned something that I, I failed to mention before, and that's Claudel Sherman hurt his shoulder, and it didn't look good. I mean, he, he was in an arm; his arm was in a sling. I know he downplayed it a little bit there, but that could be a factor in this rematch with Norland because I mean I know they rely a lot on the running game, but you still want to be able to mix it up with the pass. You don't want to have to run fifty times and have no passing game whatsoever. So. That's something that Norland, I'm sure, is going to try to key on. And one thing they're not worried about is their own quarterback, uh, Ennio Yapur, who continues to have great games this season. And he did once again as they were able to beat Jackson pretty thoroughly. Here's a touchdown pass that Yapur had to start the game. And we talked a lot about Yapur this year. We talked about Javin Simpkins, Lemmy Falk, their running back. But uh, they have other weapons on that team. Ivory Akins is a pretty good receiver for them. Here's a, a touchdown that they got. Almost almost ran me over here on the sideline, but luckily I, I, I stuck with it and got the clip. Here you go. So there you have it. And again, it was a comfortable victory, but talking to coach Heidelberg this week, 
uh, and they know what they're in for the, you know, the challenge that they have coming up. I mean, the first time around they fell behind 27 to two and then had an uphill battle in the second half, even though they kind of traded scores in the second half, they got, they have to have a good start. Um, let's talk about this matchup, David, but first let's hear from coach Heidelberg. Um, a lot of maturity from Enio. Um, like I said, he's growing, man. So many people, uh, you know, he's so young, and the people don't know that. Yeah. Uh, he's only a tenth grader. Yeah. Uh, so he is growing every, every every week. You know what I'm saying? He's still learning some of our conversations. You know, it mystifies me. It's like, what? He don't know that? But then I gotta go. He's only 15. Right. You know. So he, like I said, he's a smart kid, and he's still learning. So. Um, I got a, he kind of got me going on the roller coaster with him. Yeah. I don't need to tell you about the running game that you're going to face again next week and yeah. the way Booker T's been able to run the ball this year. What, what's kind of the key do you see to potentially uh, stop holding that a little uh, bit? I don't know. They got a truck back there. So, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, like I said, and they got a good team. They got a couple of skilled guys, but, but, but. We, we, we gotta try to stop the run. If we can't, we're gonna we're gonna lose the game. I mean, uh, this is a redemption game for us, you know, for lack of better words, because they beat us already the first time. Um, so that that will keep my kids focused, you know. Um, we, but we definitely gotta hone in on on that number one kid. Um, uh, hopefully that quarterback is all right. You know, I, I see him kind of get injured a little bit, so hopefully he's able to play. But, uh, yeah, that, that number one kid, um, we definitely got to try to slow him down if we want to have a chance to win. Yeah. This game, uh, the kid Elijah Sinclair makes two pick sixes, made good reads on uh, mm -hmm. to pick up the ball there. Tell me a little bit about this kid. Um, yeah, Elijah, is, like, he's our top corner. Yeah. Um, and he was out with a broken pinky, you, you know no. what I'm saying? So it, it, the fact that I think he's just excited to be back playing now because he missed about four weeks with that cast on his hand and it couldn't get cleared and things like that. So now that he's back, I mean, it's almost like a beginning of the season for him. He's fresh um, and it's showing, you know. And like I said, he's doing what we asked. And like I said, he's trying to make up for lost time because of that injury. Yeah. People talk a lot about your running backs, but yeah. like, so your receivers too. Like uh, Ivory made two big catches today with the TDs. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So like I said, we, we, we are trying to stretch people out vertically. You know, that, that opens up some lanes. And, 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 and the reason Ivory, you know what I'm saying, and guys can do that, is, you know, 8, 9, and 10. Those are our three guys. Um, the fact that if you try to stuff the run on us, you know, they, they're not the biggest guys, but they are very elusive. Um, and you got to tackle them. And they can get open. They have great speed. So, I mean, like I said, hopefully this is a team that, like you said, like I'm opening statement, was, was well balanced. And, you know, we, we can go far. I mean, Norland on paper going into this matchup looks like the more balanced team, especially if Sherman is out uh, because they, mm -hmm. they struggled in the passing game the second he went down. How do you see this rematch kind of playing out? Yeah, I mean, if, if Sherman's out, it changes everything. If he's not, you know, it's kind of hard to pick against Booker T given how thoroughly they kind of beat Norland uh, in the regular season. But that Norland team is really good. Um, you know, I've, I've seen them once. Their running game is really dangerous when Enio Yapor gets going and, and Javin Simpkins. I mean, that is uh, a really tough read option to defend. Um, two state championship winning coaches on either sideline. So, you know, you know, as good as ice is, it's not like Daryl Heidelberg is like a slouch on the other sideline either. It's going to be very well coached. Um, two teams that are probably, you know, kind of overachieved based on the talent they have. And, um, I mean, I think it – I'm hoping it's going to be a great game because the, the first one was a little underwhelming given what we thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's one of the most. In, I agree with you. I think it's one of the most. Intriguing. We get a lot of really good games this weekend. It's definitely on the yeah. short list of like, is this maybe the best of the weekend? I think you could make yeah. a really strong case for that yeah. one. And to their to their credit, they they put it on Thursday night, so it's going to kind of you know, there's only like one other game on Thursday yeah. night, so good for them. Hopefully, they get a good crowd out at Traz. But um, we're going to go next to Northwestern's game against Gulliver. But before we do, I'm going to jump in here real quick with you, David, because uh, we want to offer our condolences and our thoughts are with the Gulliver family and everybody today. We found out about the Sean Perry, unfortunately being one of the three victims of the shooting that happened at the university of Virginia. I mean, I never got a chance to cover Deshaun, but I know coach Sims and everybody there at Gulliver and they really for, for years now have preached a lot of like a family atmosphere over there. One, one of the classy guys around town. And I can't imagine what, that community, you know, must be going through right now and his family and everything. But, you know, I, I just wanted to put that out there on, on our behalf. Uh, David, you, did you, did you cover Deshaun for when, when he was in high school? Or? No, I just missed Deshaun. Um, Jordan McPherson, our, uh, who filled okay. in for me last week, he was, he was covering preps back then. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was uh, obviously, you know, he was an all County player for us. So a fantastic football player. And based on, again, what I know about Gulliver as a whole, I, I'm, you know, a great guy as well. And you, you saw a bunch of his former teammates um, tweeting about Will Betridge, who actually plays with him now at, at Virginia. They, a lot of Gulliver kids go to Virginia. Earl Sims, a Virginia grad. Um, so, right. you know, it's a whole, like you mentioned, the family atmosphere there. And, and those guys stay close after after their high school days are done. Yeah. And we, so, like we said, we're just thinking about you guys and, you know, hoping, you know, hanging there through this tough time and we're it's obviously terrible news to wake up to today as we saw but um, as we were saying before wanted to also jump in the game that Gulliver had against Northwestern the other night we were talking about the Bulls and the way that they've been able to turn things around they kind of you know showed it in this game you know not just uh, running the ball passing the ball they're they're at full strength now and, and one of the guys that missed that first game against Central was their running back Jamari Ford and he just recently got back in their lineup, and here's a, a touchdown run that he made look easy. Now, the running game is one thing, but when you look at that team, I think Teron Dickens, as we talked about before, Tiger, as they call him, you know, having him back there is huge. Here's a touchdown pass he threw to Andy Jean. And more than anything, great leaping catch by Andy Jean, as you'll see here. Now the highlight to me, this was this was a comfortable win, as we said, 39 to 39 nothing for, for Northwestern. Central even more comfortable, sixty to nothing over St. Brendan the night before. But after the game, Coach Max Edwards, who's been through games like this for years, whether he when he coached at Booker T, when he coached the uh, you know before he coached at Northwestern, he's seen the rivalry from all angles, and he goes up to each and every one of his kids and got it right in their eyes and said, "This is our state game." Yelled it, yelled it right in their faces. It went up to Tiger, went up to Ford, went up to like three or four other guys. And having all those guys back, I mean, at, the, at least the emotional charged upside, they will be up for this game. And here's Max. He can tell you himself, as he told me. Uh, the marbles next week is what you practice for for the summer. You 
best team in the, in the one of the best teams in the nation. You know, you get through them, you can get you a prize. So our state game is Friday. It's do or die. And hopefully our kids prepare for it. There's nothing else we can do but go get better and prepare for it because we know what's coming. Actually, you got in, you got in, in right in the eyes of a lot of your key guys, a lot of your your leaders, and you told them that same thing. Um, you know, tell me about that. That message you're trying to give. The them. message I'm trying to get to them is that big time players make big time plays in big time games, and it don't start game time. It start in practice that week. So if I could get them to practice well and take it to the game, we got a good shot. And I have to let them know I got some guys that can play. But if they don't play, the team, we're not going to be going to falter. But if they do play, we stand a good chance of doing what we want to get accomplished. Does a game like this present itself a little bit as a trap game? No, because Gulliver is a respectable program. Mm -hmm. And we know we had to play. Out of all the playoff games, this was probably one of some tough match, uh, matches. So we know we had to play a Gulliver. So we didn't take them lightly at all. Max, you were missing a few of those key guys the first time. Since since you got them back, talk about the way the teams come together. and you know. The first time we played, we didn't have a lot of guys. So this time we got them back. So it should be no excuse about nothing. We just want to go out there and play ball like we can and show them who we are. This is one of my favorite interviews I ever had with Max. I like the way he was like bouncing a little bit. Shots of Santana Moss quote in the middle of it. That, that's right. That's, I mean, I know we've heard that a million times, but it was kind of cool the way he said it too. Uh -huh. so, yeah, they're ready to go. I mean, I, how do, David, again, this this is the like we said the premier rivalry in Dade County. When it's on, yeah. it's 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 one of the best. I mean, can they pull this off, or is it just going to be a better version of the route we saw a few weeks ago? It's interesting because for a team we have covered as much as Northwestern, right? They're a game we, we cover them five, six, seven, eight times a year because of the schedule they play and, you know, the prestige of the program and all that kind of stuff. They're kind of a mystery because a lot of their big games, they were missing Jamari Ford, right? He, the Chaminade, he went, kept coming in and getting hurt. Um, obviously, Tiger uh, got hurt against Columbus and then didn't play against Central. So basically all their big games, we've not seen them at full strength. Um, again, Central is you know top five team in the country for it, uh, a reason. You know they might they're, they're a legitimate like national title contender if they were on the table because of how good two M is. You know it would require a win against Northwestern this weekend and then maybe American Heritage or, or Cardinal Gibbons in a couple of weeks. Um, maybe like an or Orlando Jones, right? I think they're two M also. So there's are some really good teams. Um, Again, it's hard to pick Northwestern in this game because of what we saw when Central pounded them a couple of weeks ago. But that offense is really, really dynamic when they've got all those weapons. And we have not seen them go up against a team like Central at full strength. So, you know, maybe maybe they look totally different. It wouldn't it wouldn't be stunning. Well, funny you mentioned Orlando Jones high because Northwestern did beat them in the preseason. Yes. And they beat Venice in week one. So it kind of, again, it just shows you how. Right. And they, actually, Venice, who they beat, which was, uh, that was, I think, a, yeah. you know, Northwestern, it was a little bit of a down year for them last year. Um, that win against Venice, they didn't have Jamari Ford. They beat one at Venice. It kind of right. put them on the map for a lot of people. Probably their most impressive win of the year. Yeah. Um, uh, but but since then, you know, even in that big game, they were still missing their guy, They're one of their top guys. And I was wrong. Jones yeah. actually 3M, so. Right. Oh, well, but still, it's a high-caliber team that's still yeah. a, a title contender. But it, it just shows you, the, the point being, it just shows you that when they're at full strength or very near full strength, especially when they have Tiger back there, what they're capable of. And and that's going to be 
you know, the interesting part if they can put all the pieces together and and see what they can do on on Friday night. I mean, the emotions will be high on both sides, and that can always lead to some crazy stuff happening. So, uh, another big game that was outside the playoffs this past week was the GMAC Independent Championship game. We wanted to give a quick shout out to the Coral Reef Barracudas, who got some payback for an earlier loss this season to Braddock. They went out to a twenty-one nothing lead and completely dominated this game. Ended up winning forty-two to twenty down to Tropical Park on Friday night. Nick Largesabal and Abraham Malaya both dominated. They got three touchdowns each, accounted for six touchdowns overall for Coral Reef. Coach Tim Wood and those guys, they went independent ball the last couple of years, but they, they were able to rebuild that program a little bit. They went 9-2 and two this year. Now, he himself admitted they're going to lose a lot this season, so it's going to be hard for them to repeat what they're doing. But good to see a program like that at least come out of it and, and, and have some success again. I mean, I don't think they're, they're ready. It sounds like they're not ready to jump into back to district play just yet, but perhaps maybe in the future if they can get things going a little bit more down there. But, but a good win for Coral Reef, and you know, congratulations to the Barracudas. So before we jump into our picks of the week, let's salute some of the teams and athletes that did well last week, non-football. Uh, Nicholas Prieto, who, who uh, we've co- we've seen a few times, our golfer of the year, finished second in state golf, the best performance overall. Ariana Silva of Sagemont was South Florida's best at the 1A meet and, and uh, the tops in Broward, of, of course. And unfortunately, some of our best teams, both in golf and volleyball, had some heartbreak at the finish line. Columbus's golf team, which looked better than it has in years, they because of the tropical storm, they, found, they find out at the last minute as they're finishing up the first round that that's going to be it, their only round. They end up finishing second. They can't. They, they 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 lost the chance to play on the second day, or else who knows? They could have ended a twenty-year title drought there. But still, a good season for the Explorers and a chance for them to continue to build. The 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 one that that really sucked to watch last night was the Westminster volleyball team, who we talked about before on this show, who was top ten in the country, lost in the state final for the fourth straight years, fourth straight year to Clearwater Central Catholic. I mean, a great season. But disappointing finish for for the Warriors. I know they obviously wanted more and had a chance to to make some history. But that program is is in in good shape with Julie Doan coaching, and I'm sure they'll be back and make another run at it next year. So you know where to vote. Uh, our players of the week polls are up again as usual at MiamiHerald.com. We have a few of those players I just mentioned: Antoine Smith, Reggie Haywood of Calvary Christian, Mark Wilder, Hezekiah Harris, who we didn't mention. St. Thomas Aquinas had a great game against Coconut Creek, four touchdowns passing and one rushing. He's been one of the best quarterbacks. I mean, we already knew he was good even from before this season, but he's really stood out this year and had a big year. If the Raiders are going to win it all again, it's going to it's going to be in, in large part probably to, to how he performs in the postseason. What do you think of Hezekiah and what he's done? Yeah, he's uh, kind of, you know, they, they St. Thomas is in a, a tough tr- – situation where Zion Turner, who just led UConn to a bowl game as a freshman starting quarterback, so that tells you about how uh, good a player he was. He quarterbacked them to three straight state championships over the last three years. Um, they were going to struggle to replace him, theoretically, a guy with you know that kind of resume. And uh, Champ, as they call Hezekiah Harris, has uh, done a pretty good little Zion Turner impression. Um, you know, dual threat kind of guy. Um, we'll run for touchdowns, we'll throw for him. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of great weapons. Good, great game. You know, at St. Thomas, a lot of times, all you got to do is be a great game manager, right? You know, the defense is going to be great. You know, the run game is going to be great. Um, got to do that. And then you've got to make a couple big throws. And he's made enough of those big throws um, and enough plays on his feet to, uh, you know, make you feel like they're in really good hands with him. 
Yeah, they've had guys like that, like you said, game managers. But when you have one with more talent than just a game manager right. like he is, it could be a special season over there, even with all their history. Um, so the Raiders will be facing – will be at home next week. Actually, they have, they've clinched home field throughout. They don't know their opponent yet. It's going to be – at least as of this recording, it was going to be one of those games on Monday night, either Plantation or Delray Atlantic uh, in the second round. But obviously looming – a potential rematch maybe with Dillard or a game with Ely. And then down the road, who knows, could be Homestead. And Orlando Edgewater's in that class too. And that's the second best team, second highest ranked team overall, regardless of class right now. But Shane Thompson of Archbishop McCarthy, a soccer player for Lauderdale's Lily O'Neill, or two more that are in those polls. Vote, vote, vote. And how you do it is click in there. It's free. Nope, not behind the paywall. Click on the link to cast your vote. I have people tweeting at me and putting the names of who they want. That's not how it works. You got to go in and click if you and click on there and vote if you want uh, your kid to potentially win Player of the Week. But we appreciate it, and we we'll hope that you do. And we now go to the pick segment. And real quick before we get to the pick, the games that we actually are going to make our predictions for one matchup. We at this time at the time of this recording again because of a Monday night of. Uh, postponement we don't know exactly if we're going to have a soul bowl rematch because blanche Ely was playing palm beach gardens dwyer on monday night we assume maybe they probably good they, they stood a good chance of doing it but i think we're we're both in agreement even though ely was ahead in that first game that ended up being a no contest but i i think we have a hunch both don't we that dillard should come out on top if they do have said rematch don't you think yeah i think so but ely i mean undefeated hard to like yeah know, they've been more Probably a team we've not talked about enough on this. They've been one of the best stories uh, in South Florida high school football this year. Yeah, one way or the other, Coach Michael Bailey and those guys have done tremendous, uh, tremendous season that they've had, and hopefully for their sake, it's it's only the beginning of a of a rise of that program, which is another program with a lot of history. Yeah, Tyrone Moss and others, great players have come through that program. So good to see the Tigers doing well again. Now we're going to go back down to, to this is a good crossover Dade Broward game for those of you who like those uh, this time of year Southridge. Uh, it's it's the part two of the Pierre Senatus Bowl because he's taking his Southridge Spartans up to Miramar to face his old team, the Miramar Patriots, who, as we said before, playing some of the best defense, some of the best football period over the last few weeks. And they go in there, they roll into that game with only one loss this season. What do you think of this matchup? I mean, it's a two teams that have really taken off in the second half, Southridge and Miramar. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, another game that would be, I think, in contention for best game of like. You know, obviously, like it's hard to top Central Northwestern just because of the, the stakes, but a game that could be super competitive, probably going to be really low scoring. Both teams have really good defenses. Uh, Miramar with shutout Pembroke Pines Charter last week, shutout Western a couple weeks ago, right before they kind of got on their run. Uh, I'll go with Western, or sorry, with Miramar in this one at home, but it's like a total toss up. I'm taking them because they're the home team, basically. Yeah, I, I gotta. I'm gonna agree with you on this one only because Southridge, as as much improved as they are, a little inconsistent, can, right? Like, a little inconsistent. Yeah. They, it was a, it was a nail biter with South Broward last week too to be able to get through that game. And uh, but I love what Miramar's been doing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And it seems like their offense has come around a little bit late. I think the Patriots have a good mix here and and are a sleeper to maybe come out of this region. I mean, it, it, if you look at it, they. They, they didn't end up facing St. Thomas during the season. That game was was canceled, but mm -hmm. they could if they get through. It's going to be a, a good one if they get past this one, potentially against Homestead. But they, I think they have what it takes to get it done. We'll see. And they the historically next... play St. Thomas Aquinas about as well as, as anyone. Yeah. I mean, it brings back memories of the Tracy Howard days and when Damon Cogdale was there, and they did, they did were tremendous back then. Let's see. Uh, 
And another cross-county matchup here, Doral Academy going up the road. Now now here's Western as they host that game. Uh, it's a, the number three seed, Doral, taking on the number two seed, Western. As we talked about last week, Western's offense, they found it finally. They're starting to click over there. Doral, we know, can run the football with Mark Wilder and those guys, but they give up a lot of points. So that's why I, I kind of see Western having the edge, especially now that they've figured out a way to score points again. Yeah, what a, what a contrast of styles in this one, right? Uh, Western yeah. it would be very happy, I think, to throw the ball 40 times a game, and Doral would be very happy to throw the ball zero times in a game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'll go with West. I mean, they, they're basically, like I said, since that Miramar game, 63 on Coral Blades, 49 on a good plantation team, uh, and 38 on Cypress Bay last week. Um, they also scored 36 against Cypress Bay the week before that Miramar game. So they, they definitely seem like they have figured things out and are – you know, maybe not quite as good as we thought they were going to be in the preseason, but at least like a facsimile of what we expected. Yeah, I just don't like the fact that with with Durrell, I think they'll get their yards. I think they'll get some points, but I just don't like the fact that their defense really doesn't completely shut someone down, no matter what yeah. type of a point. Right. The recipe is. for them to win would be to run it all over them, milk the clock, yeah. and win, a, honestly, a low-scoring game. Um, yeah, but maybe some turnovers. Just been, they just haven't been able to do that, yeah. Exactly. And that's why I think I'm, I'm with you on this one with the Wildcats. Now here comes that intriguing Norland Booker T. Here's the time to make those picks. And I, I'm still torn on this one, but I I kind of have to give a slight nod, even if Claudel Sherman is out only because of past experience. I've seen the way Ice Harris and that group can pull out these close games. That's the only reason. But I think this is going to be down to the wire and a tremendous game, much, much better than the first time around. What do you think? Yeah, I think on paper, the game of the week, as I alluded to earlier, um, I'll, I picked Norland last time, I think, in this one, and, and Booker T obviously <laughs> kind of took it to him. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll go with Booker T this time again, just because it's hard to pick against them, given the way that first game wins. Obviously, if Claudel Sherman doesn't play, it changes a lot. But um, for now, I, I like Booker T in this one. Yeah, and now going back, going south, here, here's a rivalry game that I think you, you're very familiar with because you've seen both of these teams a few times this mm -hmm. year, Palmetto and Columbus. And this is the one that Palmetto's been itching to get because the, the first game, they're up 10-7 at the half, and then they kind of had it slip away. Columbus ended up winning, and we've seen the role that the Explorers have been on. But Palmetto has slowly started to get get their act in gear down, you know, down the stretch in the second half. They're healthier than they've been all season. We just saw a monster performance by Willis McGahee, Willis McGahee's son, who we, that's another one that's in our player of the week polls. He had four mm -hmm. sacks, two strip sacks, and a fumble recovery. Pal Palmetto may be peaking at the right time, but is it enough to beat Columbus? What do you think? Uh, I kind of want to pick Palmetto in this one because, like you said, they led a halftime of that game. They have so much talent. Um, I love their defense, those linebackers they have, not just McGahee, but Bobby Washington. Uh, and Gabe Hardman, that's like as good a linebacker core as you'll probably find in all of Florida. Um, but Columbus is so good. I mean, like every time I see them, I'm like, this team is really, really good. Um, I mean, they almost had that comeback against Central. We were both at. They beat Northwestern, albeit a bit really banged up Northwestern team. Um, you know, I came out of that Central feeling like we were watching two state champions. And it's hard for me to pick against them when I felt that way coming out of that game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Explorers, until proven otherwise, are are the front runner here, and and Palmetto's gonna have to prove it if they really are better and and can win one of these games in the clutch. They're gonna have to show it on. Yeah, the field. it was a shame. I saw Palmetto a couple of weeks ago against Norland. It was really their only loss, I think, in the last two months. Um, yeah, and their quarterback got hurt in that game, and it kind of 
I would have loved to see what they would have done in that game if he stayed healthy the whole time. Because if they win that game, I feel probably a lot different about them than I yeah, do zero, uh, right now. Zero turnovers, I think, is the only way that they're going to be able to pull this off if they can. But And last but not least, we'll go back there. Here it is, Central Northwestern, the rivalry that we've talked about. And what do you think? Does Northwestern pull it off or status quo, but maybe a little closer game? Yeah, I think status quo, but maybe a little closer. Um, like I said, I came out of that Central Columbus game feeling like we watched two state <laughs> champions. So uh, I got to go with Central. I think, you know, they're, it's, they're maybe the best team in the entire country, right? They beat IMG. They yeah. have an incredible defense and a very, very good offense. And um, two of the 10 best quarterbacks in South Florida probably on that roster. So, like, oh, yeah. they are – they're really good. I mean, they're they're going for a four-peat. They are the class of South Florida right now, just like Northwestern was five years ago or whatever. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe Northwestern's got a great opportunity to reassert themselves as the Dade County power. Um, but it, uh, I got to go with Central in this one. And we should note, you know, they say it's their state championship, but as I mentioned, like, winner of this is not guaranteed state champion because – American Heritage and Cardinal Gibbons are waiting out there. Booker T or yeah. Norland is waiting out there. Like, there's going to be really, really good games the next couple of weeks in Class 2M. Yeah, but when you face a monster like this and it's the team you, you love to hate. Oh, I know. Like, I get it. I get course. it. But, like, yeah, but, but absolutely. No, no, no. There are a it, lot of years where the winner of this game would have been like, that's a state champion. This is the yeah, well, they, and they were. And they were. And that's the thing. Yeah. When they when they were in the same district, it was the, you know, it, this this game is so good because it, it, it takes me back to you know, the, the Teddy Bridgewater playing in this game yeah. and, and Dalvin Cook playing in this game. And those were those. Were the, that's when this rivalry was at its best, when it was De- Devontae Freeman scoring late or or or, or someone jumping over the goal line to, to, to win the game at the last minute. Ja'Cory Harris, all these guys. I hope it comes down to the wire. I really do, because I would love to see a, a good chapter of this rivalry, but I'm with you. I think the Rockets, they're just on another level, and they have players that know how to close games, whether it's Ruben Bain, whether it's Dan Quan Clark, Keon Jenkins, who you mentioned. Those are the guys that, that have been there, done that, and they're on a mission, because I, I think they see the the potential. It, it would be it would be hard because of the two teams in front of them to pull it off, but I think they're, they're they see national championship on the horizon, or as, at least as a possibility in their minds, and, and I don't think they're going to let this opportunity slip up this week, especially against a team that they'll never hear the end of it, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. They, they end the undefeated season in the national title dream. Uh, yeah, I mean, last time Roland Smith left the co- coaching job, what happened? Northwestern yeah. national championship. Could be looking <laughs> exactly. at it again in, uh, in East Little River. Exactly. So, well, we thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. Uh, we'll be back next week looking at round three of the postseason, hopefully coming off a lot of great games uh, that live up to the hype that we just talked about. For David Wilson, I'm Andre Fernandez. We'll see you next week.